the worst thing you can possibly imagine happened again. Ohio State drops two in a row for the first time this century to its hated rival. We'll break it down and talk about what happens next on this edition of the 11 Dubcast. Andy Vance with you alongside Johnny Ginner, who has been chronicling the rise of the fighting Harbaugh's uh, for many a year now as author of our uh, favorite series, The Threat Level, the 11 Warriors. Johnny, for a second year in a row, Ohio State got pretty well abused on the field late in the game. Things actually appeared to not be going terribly through the first half. The Buckeyes take a small lead into the locker room, but late in the game, the wheels fall completely off the wagon. What surprised you more, that Ohio State dropped two in a row or that this year's result was more lopsided than last year's? Uh, I think I was more surprised that Ohio State dropped two in a row because if, if you had told me like with all certainty that Ohio State was going to lose to Michigan, right, for a second year, and and if you had asked me how that would have played out, I was like, oh, well, then it'd probably just be the same deal as last time, right? Like Ohio State can't control the line of scrimmage, Michigan runs for a billion yards, blah, blah, blah. I, w- I would expect Ohio State just to have not have learned anything and then all the changes that Ryan Day you know, and, and Jim Knowles had instituted just had no effect whatsoever. And that's that that part does not surprise me. That's what ended up happening. I really believed that those changes and the new blood on defense and all that great stuff, I really believed in it. And I thought it had made a difference and I thought it was going to make a difference and that Ohio State was going to win because of it. And obviously that didn't happen. So, you know, I talk about this on the threat level, but the worst part about this isn't necessarily Ohio State losing to Michigan two times in a row, although that is awful. Um, the worst part about it is that they lost to Michigan two times in a row in the exact same way. So that full calendar year that we had of like following Ohio State's transformation and how they might get better and how they might change and how they might improve, apparently all of that meant nothing. And so now we get to do another calendar year, another full 365 of playing that same exact script out and not knowing if any of it made any difference still. And I understand like Michigan is like, now you know how I feel. No, not really because Ohio state actually like had success and dominance before this. This is something where they're losing their grip and that, that hasn't happened to Michigan. I mean, shoot for what, well on two decades at this point. So it's 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 something new in the rivalry. It's definitely a sea change. Uh, Michigan's, you know, until further notice is on top. They're not just on top of the rivalry. They're by default now on top of the Big Ten. Um, and I don't know. We got a lot more to talk about it, but it's it's frustrating, and I'm not shocked. I guess the way it happened. Yeah, and this is one of those games where there's plenty of blame to pass around. If you were so inclined, you could pick almost any facet of the game and be like, well, that didn't go very well. Uh, A lot of the angst and and you uh, helped chronicle the social reactions after the game. A lot of the chatter, you know, focused squarely on as, as I think it should, the head football coach, the highest Uh paid uh, public employee in the state, lots of, lots of things to ask a, a coach about. Why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? And so on and so forth. But when you break down the reasons why Ohio State didn't win the ball game, and I think about Ohio State's losses during the Ryan Day era, and there haven't been many, I think it's important to say that, there seems to be one of two schools of thought that percolates. Either one, you have this sort of, well, Ryan Day wants to turn Ohio State into a Big 12 team, a.k.a. pass-happy 
no grit, no fire in the belly, no no defense to speak of. Or uh, the more popular one this weekend is, well, he's John Cooper 2.0. I, I don't know that I think either of those is terribly uh, nuanced or super accurate, although the reason I say that about the Cooper comparison is because it's too early to say that yeah, in, in, yeah. In, in, in my mind. But as you look at this uh, game and, and what happened – you know, what was your gut reaction here as to where this thing went sideways? Because everybody has a different opinion. I, I, w- I want Johnny Ginner's unvarnished take. Well, I think the two teams came out of the locker room with different attitudes and about what they were going to try to do. And Michigan said, OK, we're a second half team. We're going to try to impose our will. Ohio State said, well, we're just going to keep keep doing what we've been doing. And I think in a game like this, you can't do that. You got to come out with something new. You got to press. You got to. I mean, there's a risk in doing that. But you really got to to go balls to the wall. And, and I don't think Ohio State was willing to do that. And honestly, and I wrote this in threat level, man, I think the team basically gave up in the fourth quarter. I, I think, you know, they were still within a score, but they felt that things were going against them. And the coaching staff, you know, you see Ryan Day, you know, punt, go for the field goal. And so it's like, no, man, like you've got to. This is this is go time. This is it. This is the last chance you'll have to really, you know, go for it. And I don't think the team wanted to. I don't think the coaching staff really wanted to. And I don't know, man, that that's I I was thinking about this. Like people have, you know, over the years, you know, you rate Ohio State quarterbacks and whatnot. And and JT Barrett was never a dude who I think people thought super highly of in terms of his quarterbacking skills, which I thought was a little I, I think people laid it on a little bit thick when it came to things like the weenie arm and stuff like that. But to be fair, he also was not. You know, if you look at the the guys who came after him, not as talented as those guys, those guys in the, the throwing, you know, thing. But as far as leadership abilities, I don't know that we've had a guy like a JT Barrett in the past, you know, five or six years. Even even Justin Fields, I think, again, really, really good dude, good leader. JT Barrett was the kind of guy who would drag guys across the finish line. And I didn't see anybody like that on the field on Saturday. I didn't see anybody who was like saying, all right, <laughs> we got to crawl through a mile of broken glass to win this game. We're going to do it. I didn't see that. I didn't see that drive from anybody offense or defense. I didn't see anybody, you know, grabbing people by the face mask, getting in their face. It just felt like a team that had kind of just shrugged their shoulders and said, Oh, not this year. And that's, you can't do that in the game. Like you can't have that attitude. You can't go into it with that attitude because you're going to lose. Um, so I, I think that was a big part of it. And I, I hate those like intangible arguments. I, and it bothers me because there's so much more to this game than like who wants it more. Um, but I really like that was the time where you need to have like leadership on the field. And I just did not see that from the team. You know, the thing about the intangible question, though, and, and because I, I I hear what you're saying there, you hate to just go with that as the who wants it more is sort of the default cop out. Yeah, answer. like all and, these guys are yeah. tough. Like I hate that. Like oh, they don't like to get hit. What are you talking about? These guys play football at the D1 level, right? They, they they're fine with getting hit. That's not the point. It's it's something else. It's something about how they prepare and how they like are mentally able to handle adversity. That kind of stuff. How their coaches prepare them. How they you know conduct themselves as a team interpersonally. Those things matter. But it's not as simple as who's grittier, who's tougher, who likes to get hit in the face. Like that's stupid. I don't, I don't like those, those platitudes. I think that's silly. But the interesting thing about it, when you make the comparison to a JT Barrett and having that that leadership skills, and 
you know, it's, it's easy to crap all over the quarterback, right? Because, and and you could go back to every quarterback fields, maybe didn't get the same. He was fields was as close to perfect. I think as you could get in terms of what is there to gripe at that guy about, you know, he, he did everything at a fairly high level, not perfect, but everything at a fairly high level, you know, Dwayne Haskins, one of the best pure passers you'd ever seen. My God, the guy had a cannon for an arm, ran like C-3PO. C.J. Stroud, most accurate passer maybe we've ever had. Uh, beautiful touch on the ball, you know, afraid to run the ball. And and people always like to criticize his body language and this and that yeah. and the other thing. People like to pick on that. With with Barrett, it was the, the weenie arm stuff. So they, there's always something. Uh, a fan is going to find to pick nits at with, course, with yeah. quarterback. But the thing I do find really interesting about the intangibles and why I think it's really important to focus on the question of culture is one Ohio state had the talent advantage. I don't think yes. anybody was denying that going into the ball game. Uh, Ohio state certainly has all of the resources in the world they could possibly want. There's, there's not a question of, of resources. I think heading into the season, you, or, or at least certainly uh, prior to last year's game, you would have said, and I don't think people would have thought it was crazy talk that Ryan day was a better football coach than Jim Harbaugh. People forget Jim Harbaugh was on the hot seat or at least as close to it as a Michigan man, you know, as beloved as him as a player was going to get and, and was one foot out the door to the national football league. Uh, you know, so yeah, I, think I mean, would have said that. So the question right. then is if Ohio state had all these advantages where I'm going with this, Ohio state had all these advantages. They were playing on home field for crying out loud with one of the best crowds we'd seen at Ohio stadium in ages. Yep. And they couldn't get the job done. So, so if, if, if it's not, you know, for all of those advantages, then you have to come back to the culture question. Uh, certainly that's where the Cooper comparisons come in is does Ryan day get it? Does Jim Knowles get it? The, the rivalry, are they just paying lip service to it? You, you there was no question that Jim Pressel and urban Meyer knew what job number one was. Right. And, and not just knew it intellectually right now. Well, so I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think this is relevant for, for Michigan as well, though, because you talk about Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh still still has a very bad record against Michigan State and Ohio State combined. Terrible record in bowl games. Terrible record against the top ten. Okay, But it took him five years, and what they've done is they have built their program specifically to beat Ohio State. Yeah. Right. Like all the stuff that they're attempting to do, they're trying to negate Ohio State's talent advantage on the offensive line by building a, a really cohesive offensive line. Right. That can handle like, you know, strong DEs and things like that. They have built a running game to hit Ohio State in the mouth because they don't think that they can compete with them athletically on the, you know, on the edges with their wide receivers, which generally they haven't been able to. So they've, they've kind of created this anti Ohio state to, to take down the Buckeyes knowing that if they're able to do that, then they can beat the rest of the big 10 too. So I agree with you, man. Like it's, it's not, it's not just that whether, you know, you quote unquote get the rivalry it's, it's understanding that that's a standard that will allow you to beat basically everyone else in the country because First of all, you have to beat Michigan anyway, right? If you want to go anywhere, you have mm-hmm. to, you have to get past them to get to the Big Ten championship. You have to get past them, you know, most years to get to the college football playoff. So if that's your standard and you can hold yourself to it, then you're going to be fine either way. And I think Michigan started to realize that. And Ohio State, I feel like for the past few years has been competing against the Alabamas and Georgias of the world, but that doesn't mean a damn if you can't beat that team up north. 
And so that's where I think that culture thing comes into play where it's, it's not so much that these guys don't understand what it means is that they, they're not, they're not creating a program designed to take out the one team that absolutely you have to. Looking at the pieces of the puzzle here, we'll, we'll do kind of a postmortem here, offense and defense. Let's, let's start off with the offensive side of the ball. One of the things that I think people were curious about going to this thing was whether or not Ohio state could run the ball. You know, we were talking about the health of the running backs. Uh, Travion Henderson came out after the game and, and basically said, Hey, you know, he's been playing with uh, torn ligaments and a broken bone in his foot all season long. So, you know, solve a little bit of the mystery of what the heck was going on uh, with him. Um, Then you have Mayan Williams, you know, who's been banged up. He did see some reps in the game. Dallin Hayden, for reasons that have as yet been made unclear to me, didn't see hardly any time yeah. uh, against Michigan. And it was Chip Trainum who ended up carrying the, the bulk of the load. So let's start with that. Do we just chalk this year's running game situation up to, hey, the two best guys were banged up all year long and it's as simple as that? I think that's, I mean, I, I don't think that can be completely discounted. I, I've always said that I think the running back position is about reps and repetition and getting into like a, a groove consistently. I think that's, that, that's really, really important. Um, and you would see, you know, guys like, I mean, even, even chop at some point missing huge holes and, and just maybe overthinking things and just not doing what you know they need to do. Um, but I think you know, th- them being injured, not getting consistent reps, it was a big deal. I will say Chip Tarantum coming out there, like a guy who has basically no experience whatsoever. I think he acquitted himself pretty darn well against Michigan. I think Ohio State, I think the offensive line, Ohio State's offensive line did generally a very good job, um, you know, keeping CJ Stroud clean and, and opening up holes for the running game. I think they they did their job, um, but it's it was such a consistency thing and uh, they just didn't have it on on the running game for the offense and so i don't i don't want to like absolve them of all responsibility but i do think you know guys being injured throughout the season i mean there was no real you know where you have like depth consistent depth at any point so um i think that was a big deal but i also think that sometimes ryan day's game planning treats the running game as like plate garnish Mm -hmm. to the passing game and they don't always work in concert when they do, it's sick. I mean, when they do, it's it's like, holy crap, this is unbelievable. Um, and we've also seen where, you know, where they just ignore it entirely, right, when they had Dwayne Haskins. But um, when it works well, I think it works really well when you have both the, uh, the passing game and the running game functioning. Uh, but if it's not functioning, you can't half-ass it, and I think that's what they did a lot of times during the season. Ohio State, you know, runs for 143 yards uh, total during the game. Um, you know, Trainum had 83 of those. You know, averaged about six yards a carry. You know, Mayan Williams had eight carries for a little better than four yards. Professor X, you know, had a couple nice carries. Uh, Dallin Hayden just got two attempts in the ball game. Really interesting, you know, rushing wise. Uh, and of course, he was sack adjusted. They're, they're running the ball at about five yards a clip. Not what Ohio state is, has been used to lately. Uh, right. But I think some of this comes back to, you know, later in the game, obviously they were playing from behind. So maybe they're going to throw the ball a little more anyway, but the bigger, the bigger issue to me is, is trying to figure out what exactly does this team want to be when it grows up? Like what's Ryan day's 
ultimate uh you know death star look like here was it was it this year's offense is it is it hey we're we really do want to throw the ball 400 yards a game i mean they got 350 yards through the air uh against michigan you know that's the thing it's really interesting you get you throw 500 you got 500 yards of total offense in a loss so the problem wasn't moving the ball so no. much the problem was getting into the end zone and not shooting yourself in the foot Right. With, uh, I don't know, damn near 100 yards worth of penalties. Yeah. Or drops. Or, I mean, there was, there was just a lot of dumb stuff, undisciplined things that happened during the game, um, unfocused play. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a problem. And unfortunately, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a super huge shock because I think we've seen that kind of lack of focus in other games. It didn't matter because they weren't playing Michigan. Um, but against, uh, you know, a really good team in the Wolverines, it absolutely did. And it bit them in the butt. And, you know, those are the things. That's what I mean. Like when you're when you're trying to craft what your team looks like, you've got to go with the assumption that, OK, a drop of the end zone could lose us the game. You know what I mean? Like that. That's that's what the assumption has to be. It's not like, oh, we'll get them next time. We're going to we're going to play the percentages and get more points. It's like, no, every time that mistake is made, that could be a loss. And I say that as a guy who sat two rows behind Ryan Hamby in the Texas game. You know what I mean? Like, and and so you see that and you're like, you can't play with this assumption that your your overwhelming talent is just gonna allow you to score 50 a game. And, you know, you can make as many mistakes as you want. And I just I saw a really unfocused, undisciplined team on Saturday. And look, they were still in it. They were still in that game, right? All the way through the, you know, about halfway through the fourth quarter. Um but it just it didn't seem like a team that was focused enough that would have been able to get you know themselves back into it. I think once they got down, they got down on themselves, and they just they lost they lost that game then. I I felt much the same way, and and I wasn't sure whether or not I was supposed to be frustrated at the players for phoning it in at that point, or frustrated with Day and the coaching staff for putting them in that position in the first place. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that came out since you talked about the, 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 the fourth quarter, one of the things that came out on Monday that maybe changed my perception of things a little bit. And I wonder if you had the same reaction. So in real time, you know, there's a sequence um, where, you know, Ohio state's down by four, um, you know, CJ Stroud really wanted to go for it on fourth down. Yeah. And I, I really felt like because Michigan at that point, you knew what they were going to do, right? They're going to run an eight minute drive. There isn't enough time to come back from multiple scores uh, because Michigan's going to be able to control the clock and grind this thing out. It sends out the punt team. And I, I said to my wife, as we're watching this, I said, he's just, he's just conceded. He's just conceded. You've got to go for it here. And (laughs) apparently Apparently, they were actually trying to go for a fake punt that, yeah, you know, right. watching the film looked like it probably could have been a touchdown. Yeah, and but they screwed the up. They snapped it to the wrong dude. Snaps it to the punter instead of the up man. And uh, do you just look at that and be like, "My God, this team snake bit," or do you look at that and say, "That's a lack of preparation." That's I mean, a lack that's of preparation. That's mental errors. That's lack of preparation that can't happen you're you're playing michigan this is the only game that matters you you don't run first of all you don't run your punt team out there at like the last second 
you damn well have everybody on the same page for what's about to happen. And you don't like, you don't pussyfoot around whether or not you're going to punt. I mean, that, first of all, I think honestly, a fake punt in that situation, if it works, great. If it doesn't work, I think that's, that's a backbreaker. I, I don't know. I would just go for it, right? I would actually put your playmakers out there and go for it and try to make those three yards. Um, but I don't know. It, it just, it's smacked of desperation. I mean, you would see that sometimes with Jim Trestle's teams where they would play a team that they were, you know, clearly going to lose to. And Jim Trestle would be like, ah, screw it. And he threw in some, you know, crazy fake that was obviously not ever going to work. Um, and you're like, okay, well, you've, you've clearly run out of ideas at this point. And uh, I just, I don't know, man, that you don't want to see, I'm not saying the team looked lazy. They just looked disorganized. They did. They didn't look focused. And that's, a backbreaker against a really good team. And that's the thing about Michigan. And, you know, Jason's been saying this in Slack and I, I absolutely agree with them. One thing that people maybe need to be thinking about these, these Michigan teams are much, much better than yeah. almost all the teams that Jim Trestle or Urban Meyer ever had to play against. Like Urban Meyer, people are like, Oh yeah, he's killing Wolverines. He played some garbage Wolverine teams. Okay. <laughs> so did Jim Trestle towards the end of Jim Trestle's tenure, basically from like 2007 on like 2007, 2008, 2009, 2009 terrible Michigan teams so yeah they had really great records against Michigan and I, I definitely have to give Trestle props for beating you know some of those Michigan teams that he beat who themselves were very good uh but Urban I mean come on like he was he was not really playing its murderers row here uh these are the best Michigan teams that they've fielded since probably 2005 2006 around then um and they're like I said they're built to beat Ohio State so that's a huge challenge for Ryan Day. And again, the frustrating part about this is that we're going to have to wait 365 days to see if any of the changes that he institutes over the offseason has any effect whatsoever. Um, I would hope, I would hope that those changes that he's making are directed specifically towards taking out Michigan because that has to be the attitude. And if you had, you know, when we had this conversation a year ago, I think the hiring of Jim Knowles felt like, well, I mean, the replacement of basically everybody yeah. on the defensive staff. It was, other it was than a great Larry move. Johnson. We were right. And, and universally and, happy about that. And look, you know, coming into this game, uh, you know, I've been chronicling this all season in the debriefing that, you know, is the defense 30%. Do they suck 30% less than they did a year ago? That's got to been my, my mantra is that they didn't have to be a top five defense. Uh, they were a top five defense for a good chunk of the season. You know, and when I look at the stats and stats aren't everything, the eye test, particularly in a loss matters, but you know, in terms of uh, opponent points per game scored points allowed, in other words, I rank 13th out of 131 in the FBS. That's not terrible. No, no. I I think, I think they are legitimately better. I I think defensively, they are definitely better. It doesn't Uh, feel like it because they just got their asses handed to them in the most important game of the year. But they also here. I mean, here's the thing, right? They sold out to stop the run because that's what Michigan was, right? That's that's who they were with Blake Corum. If Blake Corum had been healthy, you bet your ass they would have continued doing that. They would have handed off to Blake Corum 35 times a game and said, "Try to beat us, right? See if you can stop it." And that's and that that would have been a completely different game. Blake Corum can't go. Okay, he's he's clearly limited. Uh, I think he has like a couple carries or something like that. He's he's basically a non-factor in the game. And so they're like, all right, sexy Rexy, get out there. <laughs> We're going to have J.J. McCarthy throw these bombs, something he had not done all season with any kind of success. 
and they exposed Ohio State's corners a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean a whole freaking lot. And that was it. I mean, they they just they put Ohio State in a situation that they never expected they would have to be at, be in against Michigan. And then never really have to worry about with Michigan because again, JJ McCarthy, I think, has a lot of talent. He has a lot of things he needs to work on. And for a guy who only completed 50% of think about that, he completed 50% of his passes, right? He was more accurate on throws like 50 yards plus than he was on throws between like five and ten yards. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that doesn't happen. No. That's a, that's a crazy thing. And it, part of it's because Ohio State, I think, made a lot of pro, you know mistakes on defense. I think a part of it is because there's some personnel issues with the the cornerbacks. But it's also because they kind of got incredibly lucky slash good for a really important game. And that's that's okay too. And that still speaks to Michigan's level of talent. Um, because you know, if they were garbage that those, those passes never get completed, but, um, yeah, it, it was a weird game. And I don't think that Jim Knowles defense is invalidated because of this, but it still indicates that there's a lot of issues that need to be resolved before it's truly elite. You know, we're not going to play the game of, of, well, if you take out this, yeah, and that's this, dumb. And this and that's this, real dumb because those happen, but I think those to illustrate happen. your point. And and the the point that a lot of people are like, well, gosh, you know, I mean, I had actually had a uh, a Twitter follower who's an Oklahoma State fan who had messaged me, you know, ten months ago and said, you know, hey, boy, Snowles ain't always cracked up to be, you know, and and started you know all the kind of uh, things you would expect from a, a bitter ex girlfriend. Uh, but here, you know, this guy was in my mentions again, like, see, I told you, I told you, Knowles is bad. But when you take out those five plays in which Michigan garnered 360 yards. Let that sink in for a minute. Uh, Jesus Christ. The other 54 plays of the game, they averaged three yards. Yeah. So, so they, they had this plan to stop the run because that's Michigan's bread and butter. I think if anything, I want to fault them for, you know, it's, it's not, it's not adjusting in the second half when Michigan, you know, dared them. And, And the problem became is that, when Michigan figured out the the pass was there and Ohio state had to start re- respecting the pass, then they could run the ball. That second half, right. they ran for most of their 278 yards, uh, 252 yards rushing. I want to say the well, first half split was like 10 yards rushing. Yeah. And, and Donovan Edwards had, I think 216 yards on the ground, 166 of those were in the last seven minutes of the game. <laughs> yeah. Right. Which goes back <laughs> and, to and your thing about the tears. guys gave up you know in that yeah. last you know I, I think that's that's part and and then by the way that's what happened last year too right like that yes. game wasn't a blowout until right the last few minutes of the ball game when things went just totally pear-shaped right and so i don't you know again i i think the team has improved defensively i think there are some i don't i don't want to play this game like ohio state's terrible now and they'll never be any, this is still fundamentally a very good team mm-hmm. um and I think if they played Michigan again, I think they would have a decent chance of beating Michigan. However, that also relies on a lot of issues getting fixed or addressed at some point, uh, in some point soon. And, you know, I, I guess we can go into the larger conversation of, of, you know, does Ohio State meet the college football playoff now still somehow? Because I don't want any part of that, but I don't think most Ohio State fans want any part of that. But it could happen. And I also think that another thing we have to think about is like in the next couple of years, when the college football playoff expands, 
how does that conversation change, you know, with, with the fact that you can lose to Michigan and not make the big 10 championship and still be in the playoff. Like that's still considered a successful season, I guess you still have a chance to win a national championship. Um, I, I think that changes maybe how we view some of these games. Um, losing to Michigan will still always be terrible and awful no matter what the situation is, but um, the opportunity will still be there and it may still be there this season, which I find extremely weird, but I don't know. It would be funny to me if Ohio state got a chance at a, a rematch somehow. But again, after that performance on Saturday, I don't know that I'm exactly excited about it. Yeah. And the, we, we want to go back to this, the, the, your, your point of, <laughs> The, you can't we don't need to just adopt this oh my god ohio state's terrible fire everyone yeah. mentality this is still a very good football team to that point uh i saw a couple really interesting threads bill, bill Connolly from espn who who i talk about frequently as an analytics guy like um shared a post from a michigan analyst named ed fang uh who who made the comment he said if uh they were to replay this again in a playoff i'd i'd give the buckeyes a two and a half point favorite yeah. Um, and, and he highlights as his reason for that, the focus on explosive plays as the reason Michigan succeeded. If it was not for those five explosive plays, um, you know, and they could do that again, given their, given their success there and suddenly McCarthy looking like, you know, the, 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 the five-star Heisman trophy favorite instead of CJ Stroud on, on the other hand. Um, you know, Ohio State still clocked in 500 yards and had a nearly 48% success rate against Michigan, who only had a 38% success rate. So, you know, when I look at the SP plus data, they'd give Michigan about a one point advantage on a neutral field. But there are a lot of bookmakers, I think, who would still give Ohio State a couple points, maybe um, in a hypothetical playoff matchup, because and I'm not saying Michigan's win was fluky. It wasn't. They had a great plan. Um, and and took what Ohio State gave them, and Ohio State didn't figure it out. They didn't respond. They didn't get themselves up off the mat. The question of whether or not they could do it twice in a row in the same season is is a different thing entirely. So let's get into that. How do you feel about this idea that Ohio State is uh, <laughs> is still in the conversation? They come in ranked number five in the Associated Press and coaches polls. Uh, that's maybe a good barometer this year for what the playoff committee might do when they uh, announce their rankings later today. What do you, what do you think, my friend, does Ohio state deserve to be in that conversation after getting their hats handed to them at home in the most important game of the no. century? No, I don't think they do. Um, I think, you know, if they, if it happens, it's because there is a lack of other options, I guess. And really, and that was, Hey, people are talking about Alabama, two loss Alabama. That's funny to me because I, I think, you know, as, as annoyed as I am, as mad as I am at Ohio State's performance, Alabama's got a lot of issues. And I don't think people, I, I know, like, well, it's Nick Saban team. They'll say, nah, maybe not this year. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm tired of watching the team make the same mistakes or at least make the same mistakes that they made last year against Michigan that I'm just like fed up with it. And I, I, I'm hoping that you'll see something new, but I just don't have the faith that they'll bring something new to like a college football playoff game, you know, like a different attitude, a different approach. I, I just don't see that happening. I think they'll just be the same old, same old. And, um, I, I guess I don't want to see Ohio State 
like lose in the same fashion that they just did. If they lose a hard fought game where they're out there throwing haymakers, you know, left and right, like trying to hit bombs, with Martin Harrison and, you know, grinding out plays, all that kind of stuff. If I see them play like tough and, you know, hard nosed football, I'm like, all right, they lose, they lose. But if they play disorganized, disinterested, I don't want to see them in any bowl game. I, I, that's, that's just not something you want to watch, especially if a team feels like they're, you know, disheartened or, you know, not where they wanted to be. Like nobody wants to watch a team do that. And we've seen Ohio State teams do that where they've they've lost late season games and they end up in bowls they don't want to be in and they show up disinterested. That happened under Urban Meyer. And I don't, you know, I don't think anybody really wants that. So hopefully uh, that's not the case. Um, but I don't know, man. I mean, how, how would you feel about it? Uh, it's, it's really interesting because as I'm looking at it, you know, this sort of, this presupposes the idea that Georgia is going to win the SEC championship, which I think they will. Sure. Michigan wins the Big Ten championship, and I and I say this as someone who has a graduate degree from Purdue University. Uh, I expect Michigan to win that game. <laughs> I do too, but you know what? That game actually might be closer than people think. People, Purdue, Purdue is more talented than I think people realize, and they might be talented. They might be talented in just the way that'll drive Michigan crazy. And so I am actually, I'm really looking forward to the Big Ten championship game because of that. I agree. I think Michigan is going to win, but I think it's going to be a lot harder than people realize. I'm, I put it this way. I'm more invested in the game now that Purdue's in it. How's oh my that? God. Yeah. You know, where before, like when it was going to be Iowa or something, I'm like, oh God. Oh, hell no. I wouldn't watch oh, that game. It's going to be terrible. But I, I'm, I'm excited. As a, as a, a disinterested third party is obviously the wrong word. I'm very in, in, invested in it, either from the stance of Michigan losing or Purdue winning. But right. I think this is a, a much interesting, much more interesting game than it would have been if it was Michigan versus Iowa. Let's set Purdue aside for a minute. But if go Purdue back to this. wins, though, they deserve the college football playoff. Yeah, they do. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course they do. All right. So now back to back to this. So you know, supposing Georgia and Michigan both win, yeah. uh, you know, then Ohio State getting in sort of presupposes either a TCU or USC loss in sure. their respective championship games. Uh, Cause otherwise you're, you're haggling over a one loss USC versus a one loss Ohio state. Which, I mean, I think USC, if they're a champion of the back 12, they, they deserve to be in an Ohio. Over yeah, Ohio we've been arguing for ages, right. That winning your conference championships should matter. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. 100%. And, and if, and if Ohio state's not even in it, yeah, and USC wins theirs, and no, no doubt in my mind they deserve to be in it over Ohio State. And so then you're, you know, you're sitting here because I, I've heard people talk about Alabama, which I'm like you, but you know, baffles me. Nobody, thank goodness, is talking about Tennessee or, or obviously LSU got themselves yeah. out of the equation. I feel like Clemson killed their chances. They're they're pretty well done. So it, I mean, it really does come down to it feels like to me. TC or USC having to lose for Ohio State to get in it. The question to me becomes really interesting. Isn't so much does Ohio State get in to the playoff or not? They either do or they don't. Uh, you know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time or emotional energy worrying about whether or not TC or USC get in uh, or Ohio State is left out in the cold. The more interesting thing to me is what happens in either of those eventualities. One, if one of those teams loses and Ohio State's in the playoffs, can Ohio State? What's what's the bracket look like? Is it is it a you know? Because I think you could make the argument it won't happen, but I think you could make the argument Michigan should be number one this week, mm. not number two. I think Michigan has the better resume now. We've been talking about how bad their their schedule was, but when you look at their wins, particularly a win over then number two Ohio State, I mean that's as impressive as anything Georgia's done. 
Sure. Am I no, wrong? I mean, I think I think you could make the argument that maybe Michigan's a more complete team than Georgia. However, I also think that Georgia, um, I don't know. I mean, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt because you know of who they are and, and what they've accomplished. Who they are, their conference, their ring. I also think they have a yada, better yada, quarterback. Yada. I think that's a big deal too. Honestly, I don't know. I, McCarthy looked pretty damn good to me Saturday. Yeah, he's. I mean, again, like I, I, I don't think he completes those passes most weeks. I, I think the guy played a little you bit sure, over his head. You sure that Harbaugh? Wasn't just sandbagging all season long. Keeping no, this, although keeping if he this was, guy in the cupboard, <laughs> if he was though, dude, that that is, I mean, that's the most brilliant coaching move in the history of football. Like, and I, and if, if that were true, if Harbaugh was like, yeah, I always knew we could hit those. That's why we never called a single one that was successful <laughs> for the entire season. Then yes, that would make him the, the most you know brilliant genius that ever coached football ever. Um, I don't think he is. I think he's, proven himself to be capable of change which that alone i think makes him a good a good coach but um uh yeah i I don't see jj mccarthy doing that on a regular basis which you know especially if you couldn't do it against likes of like illinois for example right i mean come on well i mean to me that goes back to you know this question of could michigan beat ohio state again and and, and I, I guess I've just been befuddled that Illinois took him to the wire. Yeah. And if not for a last second field goal. <laughs> well, and again, because against Illinois, they continue to try to do what they've always done, which is, is run the football, run the football, run the football. And Ohio state would like really. And, and part of it was Ohio state success in stopping their running game. Sands McCarthy or Sands quorum uh forced michigan into doing something crazy mm-hmm. and it worked out and i didn't think they would do that i thought they would just try to plug in edwards and whoever else and just keep doing the same thing that they've been doing because that's how they've done everything for the past two years really is just sticked their nose to the grindstone and do the same thing until they they got what they wanted even in close games but instead they said the hell with it and they just started throwing bombs and Again, you know, Ohio State gave them that opportunity, you know, with like going bare front or whatever, zero front, and you know, going man on the edge and, and, you know, daring Michigan to do it. But it hadn't worked out for Michigan, right? And so, you know, one interception changes that whole equation, right? One, one you know, incompletion on one of those huge bombs and enforcing a point changes that whole equation. Uh, I think Michigan just hit on all of them. And, uh, yeah, that was that was that. I just don't expect them to replicate that performance, especially against a team with better corners who can who can play that kind of coverage and say, try it and see what happens. Um, Ohio State can't really do that. And so yeah. I don't it's, know. It, it's it's really tough because I don't want to talk myself into giving Ohio State more credit than it deserves or giving Michigan less credit than it deserves sure. because you know that 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 was a whooping there uh at, at the end of it right like the score yeah the, the score is what it is that, that that was a big win for those guys uh and 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 yet it, it did feel like everything that could go right for Michigan did mm-hmm. and and like everything that could go wrong for Ohio State did some of those self-inflicted the penalty thing really bugs me uh, yeah, the penalty is really stupid. I mean, the false starts. I mean, that was the other thing. Like people talk about like the offensive fouls or the personal fouls and things like that. But the false starts are inexcusable in a game like that. Like that's that's ridiculous. You have the crowd on your side. You know exactly what you're you're in a you're in a comfortable, friendly environment. You can't be doing that and then you know giving yourselves handicaps every single time that you you know that you try to start a drive. That was stupid. 
looking at, I think, the big question here, the thing that people really want to talk about is where do you go from here? You, you talked about this somewhat in the threat level, and, and I think some of us are feeling uh, feeling like this when you look at roster construction, who's staying, who's going, uh, where Michigan goes from here, you know, playing them in Ann Arbor next year. Uh, but you made the point, things aren't going to get any easier here no. for Ohio State. So how do you get this train back on the tracks if you're Ryan Day? So let's let's pretend for a moment uh, you get in you you get inside the head of of Ryan Day. You are suddenly the man himself. What do you do to fix this, Johnny? I don't know. <laughs> I think I think really honestly, if I were him, I thought about this. If I were him, I don't know if they have something like this. I would start something similar to what Urban Meyer had with like having kind of this leadership committee. Right. Where you've got a, a core group of players and maybe they do have something similar to this, but I would really make sure that I select a core group of players who are going to be texting dudes at 5 a.m. to get them in the weight room. are going to be screaming at guys on the sideline if they don't, you know, have their heads on straight. You really you need to develop a core group of leadership. They're going to hold people accountable. And again, I don't I don't have any special insight into the Ohio State you know, football team, but I didn't see that on the field or on the sidelines during games. And you need to have a group of guys who are willing to do that. Um, so I would definitely try to develop and foster that. The other thing is, is that like, you've got to concentrate. I think this is a team, they're going to be good on offense no matter what, because Ryan Day really does, I think in generally, in general, scheme things up really well. He knows how to play, put players in advantageous positions. Um, you still have a coach in, in Brian Hartline who can, you know, get these elite wide receivers and, and put them in good positions. Uh, you know, I think Ryan day knows in, in the guys on his staff really know how to coach up a quarterback and, and get them to play really well. So I would, I would ignore a lot of that to a certain extent and focus on the defense, making sure that the personnel is adequate, that the depth is adequate. Um, I would really target the, those groups when you're looking at things like recruiting and whatnot, because ultimately like that's, that's the Achilles heel of Ohio state is that if they can stop one thing, they can't stop the other thing. Right. And, and I think you need to start by giving Jim Knowles all the tools that he needs to institute a defense that is elite. And then if that means maybe you don't have all the tools in offense, I think so be it. And then rely on your coaching to coach up dudes who can, who can still make an impact. Um, I would just put a renewed focus on that when it comes to like recruiting development, all that kind of stuff. So those are the two things I think I would focus on in the in the offseason. Well, I think this question about you know leadership and, and culture, and we started talking about it a little bit earlier. One of the things I think is really interesting is the the question of of the times and and overall philosophy. If you go, if you look at the cultures that you know Jim Tressel inculcated in in his time here, Urban Meyer, his time here, you know, they're definitely each one of these head coaches has some warts, right? Like Jim Tressel, it was loyalty to assistance to a fault uh, that I think really, you know, kind of held him back later in his oh, career. Sure. Uh, you look at Urban Meyer, you know, guy borderline sociopath, uh, so focused on the game that he just almost literally burned himself out. You know, the infamous cold pizza in the, in the tunnel uh, yeah. photo and the inexplicable losses to, to Iowa. Yeah. Where you're so tight. You're so like, you're so tight that you end up like ignoring everything else, you know, to the detriment of the team right in front of you. And then, you know, 
but but you had no question, you know, that those guys were those players, in other words, in those systems were 100% bought in and on, you know, on board with job number one of, of, of beating Michigan and, and so on. So my question is, is the failing here in terms of this, this culture, this, this toughness, this question of leadership and preparation, is it a Ryan Day problem or is it a sign of the times? In other words, has the game of football at a place like Ohio state become so focused on getting guys to the league and getting guys in IL deals and keeping guys happy. So they're not in the transfer portal and so on that it's just the way it is now that you have this. And I don't want to say it's all me focused. And I don't want to sound like I'm one of these guys who's crapping on the players for looking out for their own self-interest, but is is the business so me focused right now that things like what's best for the team and focusing on to borrow a phrase from Michigan the team the team the team yeah a thing from a bygone era and and you if you want to have five star players year in year out you you're just going to have to deal with the fact that they're not going to be as in tune and bought in to this crazy Michigan rivalry i mean maybe i mean i i think you there probably is some truth to that. You know what I mean? Like there's a kind of a mercenary attitude when, when you're like, all right, well, I'm here to, to try to make a buck. Um, I also think though, that that's not like mutually exclusive to trying hard against Michigan. You know what I mean? So I, I think you can find guys who are still, maybe they're still motivated by that, but they're also motivated by winning and beating the crap out of other people. And like, I think you can have both. I really think you can find guys who have that kind of like, intensity and leadership and whatnot and also maybe that same mercenary attitude I, I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive um but that's a ryan day problem right and that's that's a roster construction and, and that's a you know a recruiting problem where you have to make sure that you find those guys those glue guys who are going to keep the team together and motivate other players when the coaches aren't around um so i i think that is part of you know coaching in the the 2020s but um I also think that it's something that's that you know Ohio State's capable of doing. You can still have those elite players, but you got to find the guys who are going to be able to to keep that team together uh, when maybe you see a guy peace out to the NFL a lot quicker than everybody else. You know. Well, let's so, put this. I mean, let's put this in relevant context to, to maybe make maybe make my my case even a little more clear. If Ohio State isn't in the playoff, you know, if in other words, if TCU or USC uh, both went out. CJ Stroud isn't playing in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Right. So, you know, there was there was certainly a time where playing in the Rose Bowl was the goal. Uh, and that that era is long since waved bye-bye. But the fact that, you know, it's there's no question in anyone's mind that he would not be, you know, to go from Heisman Trophy favorite to not even playing in a bowl game in essentially a week's time, you know, it's just kind of a, as a mind blowing, as a mind blowing thing to me, because you've seen Ohio state teams in the not so distant past that have had these kind of disappointments, right. Where, I mean, it's not the first time in the last 20 years where Ohio state wanted to be playing for a title and instead we're playing somebody else in the Rose bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yet now we're at this, this time where the guy who in theory should be the key leader on the team there's no question in my mind he won't be playing in that game. No, 
no, he won't. And, you know, and his quote afterwards is like, yeah, I know some people are going to look at me like a guy who never beat Michigan and never won a Big Ten championship. And like, I accept that. It's like, I don't think it really bothers him that much, which, you know, I'm not saying it should necessarily. I don't I don't think a guy from Rancho Cucamonga has to, you know, ha- have that eat at him, you know, that he never beat Michigan. That's how people in Columbus are going to view him. But on the other hand, from a competitor standpoint, I mean, it's not about losing the game per se although that is part of it. it it's more about like the fact that that's the gatekeeper between you and like championships so it's not so much i mean it, let's say you let's say you don't really have a big love for the game or a huge attachment to it you can still at least acknowledge that if you didn't do that then it was impossible for you to be successful at any other facet of your like your set of goals you know what i mean so so like even on that level you have to be pretty po'd that you weren't able to get over the hump against michigan um and i think that's for any player i I think you have to acknowledge that and that that's what makes the rivalry so special and unique is that it's not it's not an early october game that you can say like all right well we'll get them next time time to win out and get to the champion it's not how it works you lose to Michigan, you don't get to play in the championship. And again, that's not going to be the case forever. Um, but for right now, that's that's what that means. I asked you the question a few minutes ago, if you're Ryan Day, how do you fix this? And, and I thought you gave a great answer to this. But what people really want to know, so I'm going to ask you the question that, that I know is on the minds of everyone listening to the show is, who are you going to fire, Johnny? Because <laughs> last year, Ohio State loses to Michigan and Ryan Day cleans house on the defensive staff. Yeah. This year, Ohio State loses to Michigan. We both agree it's not it's not entirely Jim Knowles' fault per se. I think he inherited a pretty thin roster at cornerback. He did. Surprise, yes. surprise. Michigan exploits that. But that yep. vulnerability was on full display all season long. I mean, I think if you, if you were looking at Ohio State, if Ohio State had won against Michigan and you were looking at Ohio State going into the college football playoff, you would say whoever they were going to line up against was going to know the thing to attack was going to be Ohio State's cornerbacks right? right that's 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 the game plan uh so with that in mind i'm 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 not saying i'm giving Knowles a pass because clearly there were some things that you could look at and, and ask questions about his play calling and maybe we'll get kyle jones on the program here uh in the next couple of weeks to do a proper post-mortem on the play calling and strategy and the and i'm looking forward to this week's film study but you know cornerback play certainly a concern cornerback talent a concern the Quarterback play and coaching, maybe something you can fix in the short run. Um, talent takes a little more time. Maybe they can hit some guys in the portal. I don't know. But somebody's got to go. Who are you going to fire, Johnny? Like, are there are there any systemic, systematic, programmatic changes that you would make you know, aside from the, the player leadership component, which I think is real and important? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, Tim Walton. How about that? <laughs> so, well, I mean, you know, where where but one of the one of the questions I've seen raised quite a lot that I think is worth discussing is 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 Parker Fleming the guy to be special teams coordinator? Is is you know we we just yeah, talked I about mean, that 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 botched punt play. Sure, uh, that but is that what's play. losing Ohio State against well, Michigan? Like, I mean, you could argue Jordan? that's why oh, that was that that cost him this particular game. <laughs> Maybe, but like that's it's not the it's not the issue. It's not what like having a slightly better 
you know, special teams unit, which I think in general, the special teams is, is generally pretty good. They're not amazing, but they're good. No, the, I mean, um, they, they are actually um, like sixth in the country in SP plus special teams, which surprised yeah. me. I It surprised me because I've heard a number of people criticize special teams play this year. Um, and I have kind of been like, eh, I'm not really sure why. I think punter's pretty good. Um, yeah. You know, coverage great. Teams- Coverage team's been pretty good. <laughs> uh, I don't remember anybody, you know, returning. Return, guys. I mean, you don't see a lot of dumb mistakes there. I mean, that's, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, no, yeah. I don't think Parker Fleming needs to go. I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I think that's silly. Um, And, you and you know, you've had a, <laughs> you've had a kicker in Ruggles who's great. He's fantastic. Yeah. So, I guess, um, I guess where I'm going with this is everybody's wanting somebody fired. I don't know that I'm necessarily expecting. Larry Matt. Johnson, just make a real big statement. Be like, <laughs> this is it. I'll fire anybody. <sighs> Just do the, mm. you know, get, get, <laughs> do the, do the Urban Meyer thing. Like, you don't ever know who might go next. Yeah. Get on the street, Tony Alford. You piece of yeah, like, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who you fire if you want to try to fire somebody. I don't, you know, and, and I think that's also why people default to Ryan Day because they really don't have an answer for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, well, last I can't year, think of anybody. Last year, the fix was obvious. Right, right. In right, terms of personality, who didn't understand football scheme at all. Who, by the way, um, is the interim head coach at the Cincinnati Bearcats? <laughs> you know what? Speak. And good for him. Good, good for good for Kerry Combs for doing that because you know Colerain, dude, that's cool. And I, you know, it is cool. Any, it's a great story. It is, and I and I hope he has success there. I, I think he's you know Peter principled himself a number of times uh, into jobs that he's not qualified for, but. Um, I, I, I honestly, in all, in all seriousness, I hope that he has success there because that would be a cool story. Cincinnati loves a homegrown guy. That's why they were so unbelievably betrayed <laughs> when Cronin peaced out for the bright lights of Hollywood. Um, but like, you know, I, I, I hope that dude's successful, but to your point, I don't, I don't think there's any one specific dude you can point the finger at. And again, that's why they, that's why people are like, oh, Ryan Day's got to go because that's got to be the issue. It's like, I, I think the issue, a lot of it is personnel. And then I think it's kind of a whole staff situation where they've just, they've got to get their heads around the fact that they, they really have to direct all of their efforts into beating Michigan. Like that's it. Just that one team. And if you do mm-hmm. that, you'll beat everybody else. Because everybody that one else will take care of good. itself. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Starts and ends with the game. It always does. All right, friends, it is time for uh, one of our favorite parts of the program. And I must admit, things did not go well for your intrepid hosts uh, last week, maybe in no small part because of this. But it is time for the Bet Jack Parlay. As uh, you'll recall, each week we take a look at the lines, uh, overs, unders, games of interest from betjack.com and take our shot at how we would construct the most amazing parlay of the week. And you can choose to either ride with us or fade us like we were Clay Travis. Bet Jack, Ohio okay. Sportsbook, the only sportsbook designed by Ohio sports fans for Ohio sports fans. I want to thank Bet Jack for being a part of our season this year and bringing us the 11 dubcast throughout Ohio State's journey. What do we have for us uh, this week, my friend, for our parlay? All right, we'll do three big ones. Uh, obviously, it's championship week, big big time stuff. We're gonna have to get into it. Uh, all right, so let's let's start with the maybe the most significant one. How about Utah and USC? USC right now three and a half point favorites, which is uncomfortably close. It um, is uncomfortably close. Yeah, and the Fighting Whittinghams, man. Kyle Whittingham lives for games like this. This is this. I mean, he's been around for a long time and 
these are the kind of games that I think old Utah loves to sneak up and bite the blue bloods in the ass in a, in a high stakes game like this. They're three and a half point dogs. I don't know, man. How do you, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, I mean, obviously Utah has the has the victory uh, from the regular season, forty three to forty two. Yeah. So talk about uncomfortably close. I'm I'm with you. I think this thing is is built for Whittingham. Um, the only thing that gives me pause, like just looking at it, Whittingham coming into this thing, the the underdog, uh, knowing they could spoil USC shot at the. Uh, college football playoff it it feels like it is tailor-made for them the only thing that gives me pause though is that usc you know this would be like ohio state playing michigan again right yeah you're you've you've got all of that all of that juice going into hey we want to get we want to get what's ours we want to get revenge we want to get so with that in mind, I'm and, and partly because I don't want it to feel like I'm picking this based on wanting Ohio State to get into the playoff. So I'm I'm going to take USC. Uh, I'm going to take USC, the song girls, traveler, the whole nine yards and say the Trojans, the Trojans take the day. Yeah, I think they win. I think they beat the spread. And I think Caleb Williams wraps up the Heisman pretty easily. He has his moment um, and rides yeah. off into the sunset. Yeah, it's hard to beat a team twice in one year. And, and you know, Lincoln Riley, I, I think I think they'll they'll get it done. Yeah, I um, mean, Lincoln Riley, you know, and that's the other thing. I was like, I, Lincoln Riley's good. I just, I don't know. I'm not super sold. I probably feel about Lincoln Riley the way a lot of people feel about Ryan Day this week. Sure. I guess. Yeah, no, I think that's a I think that's a fair comparison, honestly. Um, all right, let's do this. LSU and Georgia, Georgia's 17 and a half point favorite. Man, that's fat. It uh, is, right? Isn't that, isn't that kind of surprising? Yeah, yeah, except, you know, I mean, look at what we just watched. Um, you know, what we just watched happen over the weekend. I, sure. So I think I'm 17, man. Uh, if I were, if I'm looking at this statistically, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think they cover it. Yeah. The more I think about it, the more I think they cover it. I think SP plus would give them would give them like 19 points on a neutral field. Something like that, probably, yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the dogs. Is as much as and I've said this all season long, I hate lines that are that fat. In this case, though, <laughs> I think it's absolutely warranted. Yeah, I think let's so too. Let's ride. I think I think Georgia gets it done. I think they're focused. I think Stetson Bennett is is much. I think it's better this year. Than yeah, SP Plus year. would give them nineteen. I was right. Yeah, it's nineteen points. Yeah. So I, you know what, I I'm, I'm going to ride with you on that one too. And then of course we've got Purdue and Michigan. Michigan is sixteen and a half point favorites over Purdue. No way in hell. Look, I think I think Michigan wins this. I think Purdue makes this hilariously close. Up until the end, it's it's like a one-score game maybe, and Michigan looks like completely mortal. And it's going to be super befuddling to Ohio State fans. Uh, Purdue fans will be happy. The only people not happy will probably be Michigan, who will think that, that you know, the Ohio State game was supposed to catapult them to bigger and better things. And I think they regress to the mean hard against Purdue. And they'll they'll pull it out. They'll win. Uh, but it's going to be a struggle. So I, I, I would give Purdue the points. The line's just 16, 16 and a half. I mean, SP plus would call this 24 points Yeah. in Michigan's favor. Don't care. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I look at this, uh, according to the data, 
Purdue's got the number 50 ranked offense, the number 39 ranked defense. They're better defense than I had had uh, given them credit. Man. 121st special teams. We were talking about special teams That's ranking funny. earlier. I didn't know they were that bad. That's funny. They're that bad. Michigan, you know, by by comparison, just the number 21 offense, uh, number four defense, number 10 special teams. So, you know, obviously a much more complete complete team there. Uh, God, I really want to be able to take Quorum, I'm telling you, man, Quorum – Quorum is still going to be limited. Mm-hmm. They Purdue is probably going to be smarter about some things on on defense. The other thing is, is that I don't think I don't think Michigan is going to try to do what they did against Ohio State with with such success. I think they're going to try yeah. to do what they've always done. I think they'll revert back to what they feel comfortable with because they don't because because ostensibly because the 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 ironic thing about this is that they're not going to want to try to blow it by throwing interceptions, right? Because again, McCarthy is not a super accurate passer and hasn't been for the past like two months. So I think they'll go back to running the ball. And, and I, and ironically, that's going to give Purdue the leeway to get back in the game a little bit. So yeah, I, I'm excited about this. And if, you know, it's a giant blowout, then I'll, I'll turn the channel and stop paying attention. Yeah. Right? Here, I'm not going to overthink this too much. And here's why Iowa scored 24 points against Purdue. Purdue scored only 17 against Northwestern. Yeah, God, give me the Wolverines on this one. I, right, I'm, I'm going to take enough. I'm going to take Michigan at 16 and think they cover it. All right, fair enough. All right, so those are the those are the odds that we got. And also, if you want, we can try we can do the, the Heisman right now. Uh, Bet Jack's got Caleb Williams as a prohibitive favorite on there by quite a bit. Yep. Uh, any any spoiler? I think Stetson Bennett maybe slides in there. No, not in the least. I think right. uh, I think Williams is the flavor of the week, and being the flavor of the week in the last week of the season is all that matters. He's the yep. guy. I agree. All right. Good stuff. Bet Jack, the only sports book, uh, Ohio sports <coughs> fans, by, for Ohio sports fans, by Ohio sports fans who could do what we did and download the Bet Jack app on your mobile device or visit the website, betjack.com. All right, Johnny, let's get this thing heading back toward the barn. Uh, dip into the mailbag, our second favorite segment of the program. Ask us anything. What do we have from the faithful this week? <laughs> uh, a lot of angst. Uh, what you can, I can't, uh, I can't imagine why. Yeah. Uh, what you can send to us, uh, to dubcast at 11 warriors.com, uh, and ask us literally anything, by the way, this is from Kevin who sent this question before, uh, <laughs> uh, the Michigan game. So this is why it's maybe a little more positive. What did you buy on black Friday? I bought nothing. I bought, yeah. I was feeling like crap on black Friday anyway, but I don't, I, I just, I avoid all of that crap. I don't, I don't get into it. Yeah, literally nothing. Yeah, we didn't we didn't do any. Uh and and I will say this, I'm very fortunate. The stunning Mrs. Vance, I don't think has done the Black Friday thing at all in the you know, 12, 13 years, whatnot that uh, that, that we've been together. So that's just not really her idea of a good time any more yeah. than it is mine. So uh lucky me. I married extremely well. Thank you very you much. Go. Um even and, online, I'm like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, no, I yeah, we didn't do any we didn't do anything shopping wise. Uh the little tyke uh so Honeybee had to work a little bit. So the little tyke and I had a lot of daddy and daughter time on Friday, which was awesome. And then we uh we drove to Maryland for the weekend for a dog show, which went really well. And no shopping for me. Life is good. Yep. Uh so Kevin also sent a question two days after that. Good man. <laughs> and said, guys, at least I can now see them in the Rose Bowl. That isn't a question. Did you notice my call in that game? No, I didn't actually. And that's, that's interesting that a dude that was talked up quite a bit at the beginning of the season kind of 
uh, was erased a little bit. Yeah. I will say that some of that's a function of uh, Jim Knowles' defense and, yes. and you know what they ask the defensive tackles to do and things like that. Uh, I think you can have one game as a standout, but that's really kind of antithetical to you know how they want them to play. Um, so maybe that's part of why. I mean, you look at guys who had great seasons, but maybe weren't talked about all that much. Um, and, and, you know, that's, you, you see that when you, you know, who do their guys who do their job, they play their position, they stay in their lane, all that kind of stuff. And you don't always get the pub. I think he had a decent season, but, uh, I don't think you were going to see this guy sacking the, the quarterback 12 times a game or anything like that. Yeah. That's, uh, that's an interesting call out. Cause yeah, it was somebody, um, that, yeah, I didn't think about it all during the game. I, 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 interesting. Enough. So yeah, good. Good shout out. And I was going to look and see, um, you know, where he showed up on the stat line, even among defenders. Uh, let me find this because this is a, this is a good question. Okay. So, well, he's pretty far down the list. Mike Hall Jr., one tackle. There you go. Credited for one tackle. Kill. Uh, I mean, it wasn't a big tackle fest, you know, because Tommy Eichenberg, who's been turning in double digit performances pretty much all week, you know, five tackles, five, seven total tackles, five solo, uh, one pass breakup was his official stat line. Harrison had five, four solo tackles, one tackle for loss, two passes broken up in a quarterback hurry. Denzel Burke is a name that you know, a lot of fans are not saying with love and affection. <coughs> four total tackles, four solo, one pass broken up. Yeah, not great. Uh, our good friend Alvin wants to know what is pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pain, pain, pain is watching something that you that you know is going to be a disaster and terrible, but you can't do anything to prevent it. And then, and then watching that same thing happen again in the exact same way, and you still can't do anything to ruin it. That's that is true pain. I think helplessness pain. is pain. Pain is getting on social media the next day and seeing all of your friends who have, for inexplicable reasons, spent all their life in the Buckeye State, born and raised in the Buckeye State, and and chosen the path of the dark side. <laughs> and and watching them being able to finally come out of their caves after a 20-year uh, right. tw journey through the wilderness and pound their chest and and talk about their superiority that my friend is that my friend is pain uh, because you have no great comeback uh at least for another year yeah no I, that's uh, that's a great point i think that is yes gloating contrarians from Ohio. because because the opposite of this question by the way uh is to ask you know what is what is best in life right and that's of course uh seeing crush your enemies, enemies driven see that's them right driven see them before, driven you before you and to hear the lamentations of their women so exactly. until we can see the maize and blue driven before us crushed and hear the lamentation of their women. We will not know what is, you know, we will not again enjoy what is best in life. Yeah. Uh, this one here is from Mike who uh, I'll kind of simplify this, but how much does his uh, CJ Stroud's unwillingness to run How much did that impact the offense? I I'll say this. And I know people made a lot of hay about that. I don't think you necessarily have to have a running quarterback. I know it gives the offense an added dimension in some ways, but if your running game is creative enough and you've got the players that you need, I think that's fine. I mean, Ohio State still had insane offenses with Dwayne Haskins, right? And Dwayne Haskins is not running the ball <laughs> anywhere. Right. <laughs> not, I mean, you know. And we didn't talk about that at all, hardly. No, and right, exactly. Nobody was complaining about that because the and, and the pressure to run was on the failure of 
the running backs, right? Yeah. That you yeah. had a season where the running backs were really bad. And Dwayne Haskins had to put all of that on his shoulders as a passer. And people are like, all right, well, that's not Dwayne Haskins' problem. That's the running back's problem. That's the running game problem. <laughs> so in this sense, I, I kind of feel the same way. I, I think C.J. Stroud, look, you can't – he's still putting up 350 yards a game. I mean, there's only so much you can really ask the guy to do. And here, Justin Fields, yeah, he would have a game or two where he'd run for 75-ish yards. He didn't run – like, he was not a consistent runner, and he wasn't – featured as part of the running game he would you know make something out of nothing on broken plays but he wasn't a jt barrett type he wasn't a braxton miller type um so while i agree that yeah i mean you can get some more yards with your feet if you're cj stroud i don't think that's the issue with the the offense and, and you know when they had its deficiencies during the year yeah I, um, I think to me some of the questions there are are not yes it would have been nice and i know i definitely saw people you know <laughs> commenting in real time during the game that there were times when it looked like Stroud could have picked up the first, that a JT Barrett would have gotten the first down and Justin yeah. Fields would have gotten the first down when, and, and some of this, you know, I, people tend to blame Stroud for this, like his allergic to running for some reason. I, I don't know if I believe that, or if it's that I think he'd been coached specifically not to do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, Ryan Day said as much there. What was it around the Northwestern game or whatnot before the Northwestern game, whatever it was. Um, and, and, and you like you just you've never really felt like it's not like. Urban Meyer was known for the the running quarterback thing, right? Like it's his bread and butter. I don't know that that's what I think Ryan Day wants to be known for. Yeah, I, I think he likes this idea of creating NFL, you know, pro style NFL ready pro style type quarterbacks. Yeah, I think so, too. So, you know, how important will that be in the future or not? Good question. But I agree with you. It's not something I think you have to have. There are a lot of teams out there that do really well with quarterbacks who who throw the ball and don't run for 250 yards a game. Um, right. And particularly in a season when Ohio State felt like one of the most injured teams in college football. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you really know, don't I, want to tempt that kind of fate. Right. I don't know that I'm just relishing the idea of Ohio State having to go through three quarterbacks to win a national championship. Right. Like it was a great story, but I don't, it's kind of like Michigan winning this game by having five explosive plays. Yeah. I, I don't know that it's really rely on that. Yeah. I don't know that it's a sustainable strategy long-term. Yeah. Uh, so this next question that he has, he says, okay, so let's say CJ declares for the draft and says he doesn't want to play in the football game. Did I hear uh, an so if in there? <laughs> yeah. Or play in the bowl game. Well, you know, if I state sneaks into the playoff, oh, okay. I, I assume okay. we'll make Fair it enough. Different. Fair enough. Uh, decision, but so assuming all of that, assuming CJ's gone, um, what quarterback would we want to see start next fall? I don't, you know, I mean, at this point, I only know about Kyle McCord, right? I don't know anything about anybody else, so I guess it's got to be McCord, right? Yeah, I mean, McCord's the is is the easy answer, um, you know, and I and I I think one of the one of our colleagues in Slack and I I'd give proper attribution if I could, but I don't remember who said it, you know, made the comment like, Hey, you know, they're playing in the Rose bowl. Uh, maybe it's a good idea to give these guys 50, 50 reps. So that oh, one, sure, yeah. you know, keep them both happy. And, and two, um, start the competition, you know, so to speak, like get yourself some data. That's what wrestling coach Tom Ryan calls another data point. Um, when it, when he's, he's, he uses, uh, the wrestle offs, he uses open tournaments. So he always talks about when he's deciding who's going to get a starting spot, you know, the different data points that you have. So put both guys out there and give them 50, 50 reps and, and see who's, 
who's ready to go. Uh, yeah, I mean, if start Devin getting Brown data can go points. out there and, and you know assert himself, then screw it, let him do it. Yeah, I, I, I think, think at this point you kind of have to you have to ride with that. You you can't you know you can't play it conservative, especially next season when uh, with as much as you're losing and and what you need to be able to try to do. I mean, I think you kind of have to try everything. Um, and the last one here uh, from from Mike, and we got a few more after that. Uh, does Ryan Day need to hire a true offensive coordinator and give up play calling? I, I've I've seen that question asked uh, a few times, and you know, here's the thing: I I think I might be on board with saying, "Hey, you know, you do the CEO thing and let Kevin Wilson call the plays." Yeah, you've already got the dude on staff. You've kept him around for a long time for a reason. Uh, give him a shot. I I there are times when you know the the question "too many cooks in the kitchen" uh, has popped into my mind. You know, who's right. really who's really got the sticks here? Um, and, and should it be Ryan day or not? I, I think it's really hard at that level with everything that the CEO has to do to also call the plays. Uh, I would, I would be in favor of saying, let, let's, let's see what Wilson could do with it. I, because the question of, does he need to hire a, you know, a, a new play caller suggests that you're, you're firing somebody on that staff. So then it's yeah. okay. Back to what we were discussing earlier, who's the obvious you know, who's the obvious casualty? I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a terrible idea. And, and like you said, I think uh, you got a guy right there with a ton of experience and maybe maybe you broke him in a little bit more. And, and uh, I think right. generally is, is generally is considered to be a pretty decent offensive mind. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think so, too. Um, all right. So this is uh, this is from Joe here. And he's, he's kind of talking about, you know, how angry he was about the game and uh, you know, he says, I think the rivalry is back because I want blood now, uh, which <laughs> I get it. I, I think I'm kind of the same way. So he said, I was getting pretty grumpy, but I had to come back to reality. So I put on some Nat King Cole and Kenny Rogers Christmas records. And that helped me oh, nice. decorate for Christmas. And that got him out of the bad mood. So that's great. And by the way, props to you for having a healthy <laughs> attitude and yes. relationship with football and your family. That's something we should all aspire to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Yes. Uh, so his question is, uh, with a tough loss like this one on Saturday, uh, you, do you get in a grumpy funk? And if you do, how do you get out of it? Uh, I absolutely did. I mean, there was a time when not just Ohio State losing, but Ohio State not playing well. And I think this is something that Ohio State fans need to be mindful of in general, is that we don't let the pursuit of perfection steal the joy of excellence. Yeah. How many games this? I think it's an excellent way to put that. How many times this season did Ohio State win a football game? Spoiler alert: eleven times. And of those times, were fans unhappy with the result for whatever reason? Ohio State didn't blow them out enough. Ohio State didn't look particularly crisp here. And I understand why. It was because we all were looking ahead to Michigan and saying, "Well, cornerbacks are not great, so." that's going to be bad when it comes time to play Michigan. And it was. So I, so I understand the sort of like biological imperative uh, to interpret, you know, any sign of weakness as existential dread in the making, because that's where we are right now. But, but 99% of college football fans in this country would give their left arm and a couple eye teeth. That's right. To have Ohio State's <laughs> football program right yes. now. Yes. Yeah. First world problems, right? Like, oh, first no, world they, problem. They went 11 and one and, and lost. You know, and and so, 
you know, I, I spent a lot of time where if Ohio State was just playing poorly, like you would not want to be around me while I'm sitting on the couch watching this game because I would be, you know, a grumpy SOB. Yeah. Um, and the stunning Mrs. Vance, who is absolutely as big a football fan as I am, uh, would say to me, like, football is not life. Pause and let that sink in for a minute. So this weekend, you know, where I mentioned we were at this dog show in Maryland, uh, that's, that's our family hobby. And so I'm watching, you know, the game at our, our grooming area. Um, and like, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> there were a couple points where I, you know, slammed the laptop lid shut. And if I weren't as well adjusted as I am, uh, would have been sorely tempted to chuck it across the room. I didn't, <laughs> I, didn't I didn't, I didn't. And, and she looked at me and said, you know, football is not life. And for me being there at the show and having, having a task to do like, okay, we got to get the dog groomed and in the ring at this time for uh group judging, you know? And it's like that, that focused me on the job at hand and not wallowing in, you know, the angst of Ohio state having lost a second year in a row to Michigan. So yeah, being with family, having a task to do. I love the whole Kenny Rogers can solve a myriad of problems. So amen to putting on some Kenny Rogers records and, what is what's his what's his the, nickname? the gambler the gambler, the gambler. The, that's the that's the signature too gotta know when to hold him. gotta know when to hold him you gotta know when to fold him you know that's right and 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 when it comes to angst about football chances are you better just fold him no sense in holding that hand that's right well and the only person who can legitimately say football's life is danny rojas i don't know if anybody <laughs> if you're a ted lasso fan <laughs> football is life um yeah, I, I mean, I don't. I used to be kind of a grumpy Gus after games, and I still, you know, I'm a little sour. I'm not going to pretend I'm happy. I yeah, mean, I'm not I'm happy they lost. No, no yeah, question I'm not, not going to be like, well, that's okay, and then back to my normal routine. I mean, that's that's I can't really. I'm not going to lie to myself. I'm pretty pretty upset. Uh, I generally just try not to think about it, which is which is completely antithetical to uh, writing, <laughs> editing, and podcasting on an Ohio state sports website. <laughs> and the thing is, I even mentioned this in the threat level. People know I do this, right? It's not my job. It's something I, well, it is a job, but it's something, it's another job. I have a real job, a regular job. That yeah. I this isn't, this isn't how we pay the rent. <laughs> That's right. And and everybody at my, my regular job knows that I do this and my friends and family know that I do this. And so every interaction that I have after an Ohio state loss to Michigan <laughs> is the worst for like a week. Because yeah. the first thing anybody wants to talk to me about is is the Michigan game. And so I really have to learn to do the old Midwestern tactic of just suppressing my emotions deep down, deep inside, to where it just becomes this little ball of hate that I then use to power my myself for the rest of the year yeah. uh, and directing that, that negative energy towards Michigan. So I take that anger and I try to hold on to it in its own little special pit. And then I bring it out 365 days later yeah. and use that as fuel for my hatred of Michigan. But I, I, I try to I try to not think about it as much as humanly possible and, and direct my attention towards it. Like, for example, this is even during the Michigan game when I was like, OK, Ohio State's losing this. I pretty much I saw the attitude. I saw the posture of the team. I was pretty much like they're not they're not calling themselves out of this hole. Uh, I was flipping over to the uh, Mexico Argentina game, the World mm. Cup. Because yeah. that's going on, and that's a big deal, and I'm enjoying the World Cup thoroughly this year, despite the fact that it's you know in an authoritarian hellhole that never should have been granted the the tournament. But um, uh, I it's it's been a really fun tournament to watch, and so I try to distract myself with other things. 
and family, friend, those are all great options. So yeah, uh, I I, think I'm I'm laughing about you. You talk about every interaction that you have with family and coworkers. Oh, it's freaking and so on. awful, dude! Like hey. I walked, like I walked into work today, and you know I love my coworkers. They're really great people. They're really sweet, nice people. I enjoy working with them. Uh, but the first thing anybody says to me is that they don't, actually they don't say anything at first. They just look at me and they shake their head and they go, <laughs> and I'm like, God damn it! I know, <laughs> I know exactly what the next like sentence out of your mouth is going to be. <laughs> and so we have this like five minute conversation about how badly Ohio State lost, and I have that same conversation eight to ten times, <laughs> and I'm just like, I, you know, I'm trying to get away from it. Like I, I appreciate that you want to talk to me about it. I I I genuinely appreciate that you want to share that with me, commiserate. But I have to do it in public, <laughs> you know, like to thousands of people, and it's just I just want to get away from it. And and you know, luckily, you know, I've got a wonderful wife, an amazing kid. It's you know, Christmas time's coming up, with World Cup's going on, so there's a lot of distractions, and I try to try to focus on that rather than you know, my, my angst and my hatred. Of I made it 36 minutes in our weekly staff conference call today before my, my boss at my day job. Uh, oh, that's said, good. Well, that's nice. Well, <laughs> we don't have to talk about college football this week, you know, <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And yeah, my, well, that's my, all you had. To do. Yeah. My coworkers are, you know, my immediate coworkers are Illinois, Michigan state and Minnesota grads. So oh, well, there you go. <laughs> they were all very tactful and not laughing out yes. loud. That's good. Uh, <laughs> and Joe's got another question here. We kind of talked about it a little bit, uh, basically about the college football playoff and whatnot. One thing I want to add about that is I hope if you're an Ohio State fan, you are just hoping for maximum chaos at this point. Purdue's got to beat Michigan. Utah's got to beat USC. TCU's got to lose. Everybody lose. I want everybody lose. Every upset. I don't care. I want maximum chaos. I want LSU to win. You better be rooting for the underdog in every single one of these games just to make everybody else as miserable as we are. There you go. <laughs> Love it. So that's Ask Us Anything. Thank you for sending those in. Those are excellent. Uh, we'll continue answering them. And, uh, yeah, that was great. All right. Let's uh, wrap this thing up. A couple quick hits. University of Wisconsin hires Luke Fickle as oh the my new head football coach. Uh, <sighs> I, I must say I did not expect that, and partly because I'm not focused on the silly season yet. Uh, but I, it makes sense. You know, Wisconsin, we talked earlier in the season, moved very quickly on uh, severing ties with their head football coach. And I think this is why it gave them a jump start on getting a new head football coach. They've got somebody now who is a proven commodity uh, and they've got him, you know, as the portal is opening up here in the the coming days and yeah. as, you know, it's an important recruiting time of year and and, and so on. I think this is pretty much a home run, home run hire for Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean he's proven himself obviously in the past several years that he's you know he's the real deal as a coach. I I am a little surprised because I know that you know, his family had wanted to kind of stay local and and that's part of why he was at Cincinnati for as long as he was. Um, but I do think it's a good fit and I think you know he'll he'll have success there. I you know it it's 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 going to be interesting because you're going to be playing luke fickle you're going to see a lot of them and uh that's you know we we talked about this i think a little bit uh with um uh with uh holtman and and mata you know being back in the game and like are you going to be looking over there on the other side and be like say hey man that guy's pulling it off like what did we do we brought the wrong guy we got the wrong guy 
I don't know if we'll have that kind of envy with with Fickle. I think he's got kind of. I mean, Wisconsin's got some issues. They they've got a lot of personnel issues. Um, they're not who they were for a lot of reasons, and he's definitely got to rebuild on his hands. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how Ohio State fans react to how Luke Fick, Luke Fickle does in the the Big Ten. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I think it's a, a great opportunity for Fickle. Number one, uh, it sounds like <sighs> Wisconsin's putting real adult money in his pocket. Uh, yes. So well well earned. Guys, uh, guys paid his dues. Uh, so super happy for him there. I think it's a great hire for them uh, because I think it's a good fit. I, I I think he will do really well in in that program. Like all of those intangibles that we were just talking about about Ohio State and Ryan Day earlier in the season. Man, Luke Fickle's teams will have that in spades. Uh, yep. that, and, and I think, I think the Wisconsin faithful will be super excited for him, uh, for a variety of reasons. I, I think it's a really good fit culturally. Uh, and for people, I saw some people online like, oh, why would you leave Cincinnati for, for, uh, Madison? I got to tell you, and I'm a lifelong Southern Ohio guy. You, you're Southern Ohio boy as well. Madison, Wisconsin is a pretty freaking great town. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's a pretty great college town. I mean, the big tens lousy with them, right. There are a lot of like idyllic, you know, traditional kind of places. I think he'll, I think he'll love it. It'll be great. I mean, I'm, I'm biased that I think Columbus is, is the best, uh, you know, college town in the big 10. And it's because it's so unique and it's, it's combination of like big city life amenities, but still having that small town feel, um, where a lot of them, I mean, you look at a state college, it's out in the middle of nowhere, you know, Iowa city, it's out in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, Lincoln's okay. Uh, but Madison is just a great city. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does up there anyway. Uh, and as we said earlier, alluded to earlier, Kerry Combs is going to be interim head coach. I'm curious to see how long that interim tag lasts or, or not. Uh, yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a fascinating situation to follow there. Shifting from football to shooty hoops, Ohio state enters the associated press poll number 25 after their win over Texas tech in the Maui invitational, uh, two good wins at the Maui. Yeah, they, they lost the first game and end up over in the consolation bracket, but Victory over over Tech was a good one. Um, you know, five and one to start the season. Interesting slate coming up on the road at Duke Wednesday. How are you feeling about that? Given Buckeyes uh, by twenty, let's go. Well, I mean the blue <laughs> the Blue Devils got their hind parts thrashed by Purdue this week. Sure did Purdue uh, looks really good? By the way, they look, yeah, I mean, Purdue they looks look great. Very um, good. It's kind of I was offended on their behalf that uh, they were only fifth in this week's poll. Thought they should yeah. be a little higher after that. Uh, so we'll we'll watch that. Shout out to uh, basketball season uh, underway. And and finally, I'm I'm mentioning this um, only in as much as she has been uh, an extremely integral part of college sports and college football. But Christina Johnson announced on Monday she will be stepping down at the end of the academic year as president of the Ohio State University. Uh, I was super surprised by that, and we don't need to spend a lot of time on the um, the situation because there's just a lot of people don't know uh, the the news has not been reported and FOIAs haven't been filed and so on as to why she's stepping down. But right. the the reason I mention it is this is probably the most uh, well, it's not probably this is definitely the most actively engaged administrator Ohio State has had in terms of athletics since Gordon Gee. Yeah, well. That this is a story, I think. I mean, you just said it. I mean, this is a story that we will come back to because I mean, there's a lot to be said, there's a lot to be learned. Um, it's a big deal, but 
I don't know that this is one of those situations where I really am curious to see and learn more about the situation around it. Yeah. It's too early for, for us to have any takes on this because yeah. you don't know anything. The dispatch reported it's on a big Monday. deal though. It's a huge yeah. deal. I mean, that's, I mean, it, it, it's abrupt. It's weird. And uh, I don't know. Like I said, I look forward to seeing more about it. Abrupt and weird is a good way to describe it. Um, we had a great visit with president Johnson on the Dubcast. Uh, gosh, less than a year ago. Yeah. She was um, fantastic. Yeah, really, really great interview and uh, and a great supporter of Ohio State Athletics and, and college sports in general. So kudos to her for that. And hopefully whomever takes the reins sometime in 2023 uh, will be as well. Yep. I'm not necessarily saying that I, I think uh, either will happen, but my favorite responses to this news on Monday were either, uh, you know, bring back Gordon Gee or, or you know, bring, bring Jim Tressel. <laughs> Neither of those outcomes, I think, is terribly uh, realistic. No, I did enjoy them as a oh, wouldn't that be fun sort of uh, mindless thought exercise of the afternoon. Yeah, look, I en- I enjoy Jim Tressel uh, as the coach and, and you know, as a person. I, there are also, I think, some very valid criticisms that you can make about his tenure as Youngstown State's president, uh, like you know things like graduation, attendance numbers and all that kind of stuff. Those were not particularly great under his tenure. Um, so if he, if he wants to step into that arena, which I don't think he does, that he'll be judged based on that, not on his record as a coach. Uh, e. Gordon Gee, uh, as look, I, I, you know, a lot of positives, some negatives with that dude. Uh, but I, I think he's probably run his course at Ohio state. Unfortunately. Look, I mean, I'm still frosty that he was, uh, broomed to begin with. Uh, well, that, I would, I, you know, I, there were, there were some things, there were some things, Andy, in the beginning. In yeah. the 90s, oh, well, okay. you, you can't exactly <laughs> set up people with houses. You can't really, you know, like there are definitely some improprieties going on, uh, that he was accused of that. Uh, if, if those things were happening, should not be a president of a university. Um, and, and you, you know, people get second chances and he's very good at fundraising and doing certain things at the job, but, uh, he also, I think had some pretty valid critics. So I think the bigger issue to me is that, uh, in February, um, he'll be 79 years old. So I, that's also a big part of it too. I, I have a hard time envisioning the board of trustees bringing somebody in for, uh, unless it's one of these sort of like, uh, you know, caretaker sort of bridge, bridge right. uh but i don't think they'll do that i think they've kept um they've allowed johnson to stay till the end of the academic year specifically to give them you know right. six months to do a search process and and uh bring in somebody that they, they won't they won't necessarily need to elevate a provost or you know whatnot to bridge the gap but they could do that if they if they needed to certainly it's been done in the past so we'll we'll keep you abreast of those developments as they happen and of course we will have lots to talk about next week uh, the results of college football's championship weekend and whether or not ohio state does get magically drawn back into the football playoff conversation <laughs> or we look ahead to something like a rose bowl berth all that and many other takes coming next week until then i'm andy I'm Johnny. Thanks for joining us on the 11 Dubcast.